0: Afternoons with Pepper Hudson and now Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola.
1: And it is great to have our consumer watchdog, Wendy Nola, with us from a studio in Durban. As always, lovely to have you on the show, Wendy. Thanks, Peppa. Hello. Today we have an absolute horror story to share with you about a mm-hmm. listener's purchase of a car that turned out to be a dud a dud and a five year long quest for compensation uh, that contains a lot of lessons for everyone to learn from. Uh, Wendy, I'm uh, looking forward to chatting to you about some of those big lessons and to hearing the story firsthand from our listener. Just a reminder to everyone that after half past one it's open line time. So if you've got questions on any consumer issue, you are very welcome to call in then on zero two one four four six. Now, let's get straight to the story from the horse's mouth. Our listener, Brody is with us in studio to sh- today to share an absolutely ghastly experience. Thank you for being with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Pippa. You bought a brand-new double cab Bucky in 2013 to use for your new business. How soon did you realize that all was not well with this car?
2: Oh, it was in within a few days. Um, the first documented proof of our complaints was after 26 days. Okay. So we actually got it in writing. That we have now... Complaining, you know Yeah, Um, But there were verbal complaints before that
1: And you'd noticed a knocking noise Under the vehicle, there was an electric window That wasn't working, and I know you took it in Asking them to fix those problems Were they able to do that?
2: They fixed the the, the rear electric window That was no problem, that never gave a problem again Yeah. But they, at first said there's absolutely Nothing wrong with the vehicle We told them there's a knocking sound It feels loose every time we go over speed bumps It goes gudong, gudong, you know It's just not normal for a brand new car yeah. And of course it's difficult for a layman
1: to explain um to, to the experts what the nature of the problem is when you don't know. And, mm-hmm. and we all know what it's like. You you notice a sound like that, but when you take it in to show to an expert, they don't notice it or they say they can't hear it. Yeah. Very But you had this backwards and forwards, you carried on complaining. Uh you, you complained to the dealership, you complained to the distributor of the vehicle. For two years, uh and and I think most people would already have given up Brody, but definitely <laughs> eventually after two
2: years you finally got someone to admit that there was something wrong with your car. Yes, it was actually a new foreman that took us for a drive and he really gave it a go to go up the pavements and after a few minutes he said there is something seriously wrong with this vehicle and he said we've been saying that for two years yeah <laughs> you know?
1: okay so he finally acknowledged it and what he was saying is that th- there's serious problems with the brakes and with the steering yes he then looked a little further found out that brake pads had been fitted incorrectly at a previous that um, is one of the service issues, yes. one of the issues i mean these are serious problems that would have made that car a danger on the road and a danger to driving
2: it definitely yeah. definitely
1: very scary but still you got no joy from the dealership so february 2016 comes along it's now more than two years and in a bit, years that you've had this car, it's due for a 75,000
2: kilometer service, and you took it in. What happened yes. next? By this stage, they had obviously already admitted there was something wrong, something seriously wrong. Mm. So they were starting the whole warranty procedure. So we took it in for the 75,000, and at the same time, they supposedly replaced the steering box and the brake master cylinder. And then we collected the vehicle near the end of February and realized straight away there was something wrong that still wasn't right
1: literally within 10 minutes of driving exactly. away from the dealership y- y- it started playing up exactly. so you literally turned around and drove it straight back and went sorry guys <laughs> you still haven't
0: got <laughs> this I, right when do you want to come in here? Here? Yes. yeah Brody, won't you just explain what those symptoms were what you were experiencing while you were driving that made you n- know for sure that nothing had been done um we actually hopped straight on the n1 after we collected the
2: vehicle and the minute we took the first big bend on the N1, we just started losing brakes, started losing si- uh, steering, and it was very scary. So we we carefully took her back, and then they booked her in again. And in a day or two later, I went in to fetch. I think I'd left a card or something in the vehicle, and I saw her. She had writing on the on the windscreen, and it said there wrong brake master cylinder supplied. So they'd actually put the wrong parts into our vehicle. That's why it wasn't fixed. Phew.
0: Okay, and I mean, they haven't shared that with you, yeah. That's what the industry calls uh, a safety critical issue. So that's the one, that's the circumstance where a take back of a vehicle is recommended, certainly if they've uh, recommended by the ombudsman, that is, the motor industry ombudsman. So um, while they might not get too excited in in supporting you uh, on a take back for, you know um mismatched leather seats or something like that when it's a safety critical issue steerings brakes they, the dealership gets one chance to fix and then they must take the vehicle back. That's how it's supposed to work because we're talking really, really dangerous stuff. Absolutely
1: here. critical stuff. Now obviously it didn't work like that in this case. You now yeah. um, having bought the car in September 2013, this is February 2016, you didn't get the response you were looking for from the dealer or from the brand. So you then tried the motor industry on but Before that yeah. I, went,
2: I went to the head office again and the regional service manager actually came down to Cape Town. He drove our vehicle. This was in March 2016 and he told us there was absolutely nothing wrong with it so I thought no, okay this is ridiculous you and it got worse and worse and worse and eventually in April 2016 we actually sent you a video we were driving and the steering we could move the steering wheel almost I don't know 45 degrees and we would still go in a straight line so we took her back in again very carefully yeah and as we got to the dealership and drove in their gate um, we literally lost all steering and a part oh had fallen out of our steering right there
1: The security guard actually pointed out exactly. to you something has dropped off the bottom of your car <laughs> exactly. I mean uh, the, the video you're describing is, is horrifying to watch because you can clearly see somebody Spinning the steering wheel <laughs> and nothing happening the car just keeps yeah. on going in a straight line uh, It's horrifying so you realized you were getting nowhere yeah. with the dealer with the brand with the head office You then turned to the motor industry Ombit and, and tried to open a case what happened there?
2: It took a really long time. After about six months, um, the MIOSA said, well, they actually ruled that this company, this dealership, needs to collect the vehicle from me, have it tested, and supply them with a report. And they just ignored the MIOSA. They completely ignored them. So I went back to the MIOSA. I said, what do I do now? They said, um, well, it's out of their jurisdiction now. Now you must go to the National Consumer Commission.
1: Okay, so that's the next step. You then went to the National Consumer Commission. I told you this was an exercise in tenacity. (laughs) Uh, That was uh, um, also not successful. What happened at the National Consumer Commission?
2: They actually ruled that I didn't have a case because it was by that stage out of warranty. So I thought, well, that's not fair because we started complaining after 26 26 days. 26 days, yeah. Yeah. Okay,
1: so then it went one step further. You took this to the National Consumer Tribunal in June last year. And finally, they agreed there was a case to be answered here. They would set down a date for, for a tribunal hearing. And what happened
2: next? That was set down for the 21st of May, and that was on a Monday. The previous Friday, I received a settlement offer from the dealership, which I accepted.
1: Okay. on the 18th of May. That was yeah. the 18th of May. Okay, so, and this is now five years, almost, almost, okay, almost five years after you purchased the vehicle, you finally accepted a settlement offer. And,
0: and let's just clarify that yeah. just a little bit, because what normally happens in these sorts of cases, it doesn't take quite so long, but what the dealerships want to do is just treat it like a normal trade-in, where the... Um, car owner suffers the financial loss and there's no um, acceptance, certainly not in terms of the settlement figure Assist, as an acceptance of the fact or taking responsibility for the fact that this car was was, was a defective vehicle, do you know, they mm-hmm. just say, Okay, we'll take it back, and the customer loses. So, this was a proper sell- settlement we're talking about here, Brody, where it you do you weren't the financial loser, am I right? No, we did actually gain a bit, at the end a bit of the day, we wouldn't you a bit, right. lose out a lot. Yeah. Okay, so right.
1: you finally so got that's, there, that's um, after victory, yeah. I mean, after years of, of paying every month for a vehicle that was faulty from day one um, and obviously the, there was a settlement and that includes legal restrictions on what you cannot, can or cannot say uh, and I don't want you to put that in any sort of jeopardy in this conversation but That's even why then... That's why we not, men- <laughs> not mentioning the name of, of the brand involved but uh, even then you were paid out later than you were supposed to be paid out yeah. but eventually they took that car back you got some money to compensate you mm-hmm. does it have a happy ending? Brody? have you been able to purchase a new vehicle on the back, yes. on the back of that settlement? Yes,
2: we have. It actually worked out perfectly we got our new vehicle days before we took Sally back Okay, so I love the fact that you actually were that. affectionate That's enough yes. about the car
1: to give her a name Despite the grief <laughs> she was giving show. you yeah. Now Wendy, okay, obviously the one big takeaway from this is the lesson in tenacity Because Bodie could so easily yes. have given up and she didn't And she, she tried every avenue open to her until she finally got success But So she's absolutely right to have fought to tooth and nail uh, to insist on her rights But there's a lot else we can learn here
0: Yes. Well, I think we, the part we left out was that the settlement was agreed to and signed on the 18th of May, and she only got paid out. Was it the 4th, Brodie? 4th of May, last week. Oh, no. 4th um, of June, you mean. Yeah, so I mean June, sorry. So there was like a two-week gap, yeah. in other words. And in between, um, there was one of your emails you said, you, thre- you said, I'm now giving this to Consumer <laughs> Talk. <Wendy laughs> and so no, I, I think that, we're, I, I think, yeah. Yeah. Um, it just it's just frightening and horrifying that after all that battle she finally signs and then they just can't resist making her way to the money. Year. You know, it's just it's just shocking all around. It is. I no. wish we could name the company. I really <laughs> I know really it's so do. tempting. The confidentiality agreement here. thing gets up my nose in a big way because this happens a lot.
1: Wendy let, let's talk about a few of the big issues that the story yes. raises though, because um Anybody who's been listening to this segment for, for any length of time knows the golden rule of the CPA, the Consumer Protection Act, that which is with within six months of purchase, you have the right yes. to return, repair or refund if the product you bought is faulty. Does that also apply to car purchases?
0: It does apply to car purchases. Um but in a limited way, as we've discussed on the show with previous... Remember Hanley Lee who's still sitting with her dad? Oh, shame. Rem- Remember that, because um, she got a tribunal ruling, and the dealership just thumbed his nose at the whole thing, said he went out of business, and she's still sitting without any justice. But um, yeah. in terms of, um, as I mentioned a little earlier, because of the value of the car and because um, the Motor Industry Ombudsman, which is the official um, uh, dispute resolution... Um, body for the Consumer Protection Act, as opposed to the National Consumer Commission, in in, in a sense. Um, They say, you know, they can't, they wouldn't support a take-back of a vehicle, in other words, the the refund refund option, for anything but your very serious safety-critical cases, of of which this was one. Um, Unfortunately, in this case, um, the dealership manufacturer chose to ignore them and then forcing Brody to then go, you know, a few steps up and ultimately land up with the tribunal, which is the consumer's um, mm. ultimate recourse, right? So it's just, you know, she was failed at every, at every, at every turn. level. Yeah. Mm. Because, I mean,
1: what's the point of having a motor industry on, but who can make a ruling if nobody is obliged to follow, follow through on it?
0: Um, and I do intend to follow up on that, but, but yeah, that's, well, I don't really need to have that is how it works and so in those cases then it has to go to tribunals ultimately all these bodies work together and the one leads to the other and it's unfortunate when you get a dealership manufacturer um that's really delinquent, as I think is an appropriate word for this one, yeah. um, then you force the consumer. And as, as I say, they, and, and Brodie definitely, she lived this firsthand, got the impression that they were just trying to wear her down. I think the fact that she was a woman might have played a part as well. I certainly see it in my complaints box, my inbox, that there's a certain... Um, attitude um yep. in the very uh, male dominated car industry that sometimes works against I'm not saying in all cases but sometimes works again wo- against women who um, have these issues, you okay. know, and a woman who names her car Sally—they must have thought, oh well, you know, <laughs> yeah, really a soft touch. Tough and, is yeah. this
1: one, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, they they, they, they thought wrong with that one, yeah. 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 And and uh, Brodie's got a couple of, of of pieces of advice for listeners uh, who are facing similar problems. that are things that she learned from this experience. But just before we go to that, Mohammed is on the line from Athlone, and I think he's going to ask one of the questions I would have asked. So I'll let him do it rather. Mohammed, nice to have you with us. Good afternoon.
3: Good afternoon, Papa. Thank you for taking my call, man. Listen to me. Um, if this, this, she, she, she won the case for the dealer. But if this case had to go to the tribunal, then we would have had information of who the dealer was and she would have most probably, would she have won that case there? Because she had a clear-cut case and they made a U-turn on a Friday. She would have maybe even had a better result. I can tell you that. They could have, she could have even chose a brand new car.
1: Is Mohammed right in thinking that, Wendy? Or did, uh, did Brody run the risk of not getting any justice at the tribunal if she had gone ahead with the hearing?
0: I think she had a pretty um, clear-cut case. But it's easy for us. I would love nothing better than to say, I mean, the name of the manufacturer is like bursting it's on the tip of my <laughs> lips. Um, I'm a bit frightened I'm going to have a Tourette's moment and maybe just say it. Mm. But um, I, I think, and we're going to let Brodie speak to that now, but I think it's easy for us. Sitting dispassionately on the sidelines and saying, "You know, why why didn't you go through with it?" But she'd already waited so long, and the attorney, I think, um, Brody, you can explain this, was well, kept stalling and saying, "This date doesn't suit me, and that date doesn't suit me." Right, and yeah. I think she was just so worn down. Then rather take a settlement that was a good one. Um, with the trade-off being um, confidentiality, um, yeah. then, then drag it out even more. Exactly. Um, it's very emotionally exhausting. So I'll let, I'll let, I'll let Brodie answer that. Yeah, because
1: when you speak about the attorney, it was it was their attorney. You have at no yes. stage actually had to hire a lawyer to represent you, Brody. You've done this all on your own research and your own commitment to the problem.
2: Yes. If I could afford a lawyer, <laughs> I would have gotten one, but I had to do it all by myself, yeah. me and Google. Um yeah, it is very difficult from the outside. When I was inside the tribunal hearings, mm-hmm. I had two before the next one was planned. It's it's very nerve-wracking. The whole process was tiring. The whole tribunal process took a year. So that was from Yo. last June until this May. I mean, it was a whole year. Yeah. I was absolutely exhausted, and when they sent through this offer to settle, I thought, oh, I've had it." Take it, because you're just getting just a fair it? compensation and
1: you're getting a, sa- a safe exactly. vehicle,
2: which is the, the main thing. Exactly. And this was your business vehicle, let's not forget.
1: I mean, did this jeopardize your ability to run your business?
2: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, we tried as much as possible when we took her in to get a loan vehicle when they were yep. busy with the warranty repairs and that. They tried every now and again. They gave us a... A loan vehicle, but it definitely did impact on the business.
1: Okay, and just before we go to our open line segment, so uh, I want to wrap up the story of of Brodie's battle over the car because she's got a lot of advice to share with you, based on what she's been through. One of uh, the first piece of which is is, is don't give up, Brodie. You, you had the feeling all along that they were trying to wear you down into submission. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah, from the beginning, they just denied, delayed, denied, delayed all the way through, right up until the end. That's all they wanted to do was just delay. They are relying on the fact that you are going to give up. And you didn't in I your didn't. case,
1: and you also you went and read up. Uh, you you had your clauses of the Consumer Protection Act. Oh yes, on hand <laughs> and threw it back at them, which I think probably gave them a bit of a shock that this is a consumer who actually knows
2: what he writes off. Yes, yes. Okay. I, when I walked into the one of the hearings, the attorney had a look at my file, which is a big lever arch file full of papers. Yeah, which you kind of your eyes opened, you know. <laughs> Said this is
1: this is no pushover. Now yeah. speaking of that big file, one of the things you were emphatic about was the need to
2: document. Every conversation and every email. Absolutely. Talk to us about that strategy. What did you do? Absolutely. Um, I kept all my invoices. I kept all the emails. I kept every piece of the paper trail that I could. Yeah. Um, there were certain things I wish I had done differently. Like when I complained verbally, I wish I had gotten it an email, you know, followed up on Excellent. an email. Yeah. Advice. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. But I had enough You know, I had enough paperwork to build a case for you, yeah. And then you
1: really did uh, follow procedure. I mean, you tried, as Wendy's just said, you tried every step and avenue available to you in the correct order without giving up on them. Um, So you got there in the end. Um, That final settlement, one of the things that was looked at was how long you'd been driving the car for because that came into the final settlement offer. will not you just explain to listeners what you learned from that perspective?
2: Um, Basically, if there is a return and a refund, there, there is a chance that they can charge you for usage. So that's the first thing I said, you've been driving the vehicle, you know, it's unsafe but you've been driving it. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying I had no choice. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't buy no a second choice. car. Yeah, No.
0: This is very important and the, the motor industry ombudsman says that if you weren't driving that vehicle you would have had to pay for another form of tra- transport. So whatever it was, you, you wouldn't have had free transport. Mm-hmm. So they have this formula works out more than an AA rate, incidentally. So they have this formula which can be very punishing. I would imagine if you got a good settlement, Brody, they, they that they couldn't have applied that normal formula to you because you wouldn't no. have got much. No, yeah. no, they didn't apply that but at all. That's Section 20, they didn't apply that yes. at Yes. So so for others, don't, certainly in the first six months, I mean, that's... that's first six that's months critical. of any purchase uh, is golden so act really fast and if a vehicle is is um going wrong badly and they're unable to fix it within six months you you just know what you're going to get it's not going to get any better so really that is m- my key advice is to to act make sure that you take your action before your six months is up Definitely. don't let that slip by. okay mm-hmm. that's
1: really good advice wendy and then um i mean contact details are available for all of the bodies we've referenced the motor industry on but the uh, the national consumer council Uh, the tribunal as well so uh, if you are in a predicament like this uh, Shame Lavinia has just tweeted us saying I'm currently in a very similar situation and I feel completely helpless Um, Lavinia please you know look up that those options are available to you to try and pursue it to the motor industry on and beyond if you'd like us to take a look at your case please send an email to Wendy on consumer at nola.co.za K-N-O-W-L-E-R and uh, we'll see if we can get you some advice as well but don't give up don't let it drag out longer than those six months because they will try to make it drag out longer than those six months. Absolutely And Wendy, will. if you're still getting no joy from anyone, um, there, there is good old Twitter to turn to. How much does <laughs> that work in terms of applying some pressure on social media? It,
0: it does. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years, and certainly until recently these manufacturers and dealerships were able to compare uh, and and all companies were able to contain complaints within their private email accounts and call centres and not so much anymore. But so so I, I've actually picked up a lot of cases off Twitter that look really interesting and I'll say, you know, please please email me. Um and you the manufacturers if they do get involved will very quickly say, Please can we take this offline because what they really don't want is for the you know, it's brand it's damaging to the brand when people are like Brody who have these catastrophic experiences Start sharing them. And of course, the other danger is that other people come out and say, Me too, I have that vehicle. And I also have awful steering and braking issues. So they, you, you will get um, a rather swift response in most cases if you go onto Twitter, you find out what they, you know, they like to use their Twitter handles uh, for marketing purposes. <laughs> but it so, works both ways. <laughs> yes, yeah. it that has to work both ways. It's it's not, uh, social media is just not for them to, you know, use as, as, as their marketing. It's for con- their consumers who feel disgruntled to talk back to them. We've got a couple of voice notes that have come in, so
1: let's listen to those before before we wrap up the, the car conversation,
0: uh, let's take a listen. Just out of interest, I bought a Volvo brand new one in 2005 that gave me a year of trouble, including the engine falling out. And it took me oh. another year to prove that the car had been in an accident. And in the end, we oh. finally discovered that the car had been dropped off the delivery truck. And oh that's why goodness. it was in such a bad way. Oh, but my goodness. But two years, and yeah, it anyway. replaced. Thanks, Anton Cape Town.
1: Anton well well oh, done wow, that you Anton. finally got it uh, Anton's
0: listening I'd love to hear more detail of that if, we, if you have the energy to email me I, that, is a, that is an extreme case for my case studies I'd love, I'd love to hear more
1: Yeah, we've got another voice in it I think let's hear it
4: Pippa and your guests um, I would be interested to know uh, besides the cost of the lawyer which Brody says she, she couldn't afford if there were any costs, other costs involved uh, in pursuing this to the end thank you this mm-hmm. is Andre from Milk Bus.
1: Thanks, Andre. Great question. The answer is, Brody? Didn't cost me no. anything but data. And time and yes. stress. <laughs> yes, okay. which is worth hair. a lot. Yeah. But
0: all these <laughs> ombudsman's offices and the tribunal and all those consumer bodies, uh, bodies that are there to, as a recourse for the consumer, they don't cost anything. Correct. None of the ombudsman's do or the, or the tribunal anything like that. Yeah. And just to prove that not all dealerships
1: will fight tooth and nail for five years. I've just received an email from Michael who had a similar situation a couple of years ago with a car that proved to be problematic from day one he said i lost count of the number of times she broke down and the number of times we had to return also to the dealership yeah <laughs> i love this then she decided he was no longer prepared to accept the vehicle and he returned to the dealership with the keys and dropped them on the desk and he says their response at first was you can't just return the car and cancel the deal he says my response was that if i would bought a faulty kettle i could and would have returned it so i'm doing the same with your car and they relented so sometimes it is worth sticking mm. your neck out, sticking to your guns and pushing back. I wonder back. what
0: would have happened if Mark had been Michelle. Yeah,
1: exactly <laughs> and uh, yeah, perhaps, uh, perhaps that is a relevant question. Well, Brody, look, the, the silver lining is that you drove off into the sunset in a vehicle which does work and you no longer have I to deal with deserve the steering a steering wheel of rapport, I think applause. so too. Uh, a round of applause for Brody for My five hero. years worth of fighting yes, thank and thank you for coming in today to share uh, some very important <laughs> lessons with us, Brody. It's <laughs> a pleasure okay. I hope I helped. I really do think you've helped a lot of people Thanks, listening Brody. today we'll be back after the short break with your open line consumer questions
0: consumer talk open line
1: right 021-446-0567 is the number to dial if you'd like to raise a consumer issue with wendy nola who is standing by in the durban studio uh, to tackle those questions um jonathan in pinelands will come to you in just a moment but first on the note of cars errol in blue downs has a comment good afternoon errol
3: Pippa, good afternoon, and good afternoon, Wendy. Look, this has nothing to do with consumer things, but this new car thing that you just discussed now. Yeah. Took me back when Hyundai first came here. Uh, you know, I have to mention the name because this is what I saw. And there was a, a, um, like a warehouse in, in Paro where all these new cars came. They still had like uh, protective stickers or paper on the sides. And I had to refurbish this warehouse with new lights and put in the electrical points for the hoist. And while I was working there, I noticed them, they were always scratching in the engines of these cars. And these are brand new cars that came either off the ship or or somewhere. And I actually seen them remove an entire cylinder head from a brand new car. And I asked the guy, but now why are you doing this? This is in a new car. He said, but the car won't start, and we think the fault is in here. (laughs) And I said, but don't these things get checked in the factories before they leave? He says, well, he don't know. He's just here to do what he must
1: do. So it makes you think, you know. Human things. But it just jogs my memory to going to do back with the all these everything. years. It's everything, yeah. Errol, exactly, Wendy. It's it's everything to do. When you buy a new car, you expect the car to work. I mean, it's you buying brand new because you want a car that's reliable and doesn't
0: have any issues that 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 might have come from previous use. And as anyone who's bought a car will know, in that nice little on-the-road fee that we've spoken about, yes. they will include like a 20-point check or whatever. So there really uh, is no excuse for that sort of thing to happen. A bigger issue is what happened to um, – who was it who the car was dropped? Was that uh, um, it Anton? It was uh, Anton, yes. Yeah. Um, is th- That is quite a dramatic example, but th- there will be a little scrape while it's being moved around or it'll get damaged somewhere, and they'll just fix it up. And sell it on and not um, say a word about it. A few months later, the car will be in the sunshine, and somebody that knows something about cars will say to the buyer, Hey, mate, what's, there's a bit of overspray here. This is definitely yeah. this, this car. And isn't it, didn't you say you bought it new and so it comes out? And the ombudsman's very emphatic about this. He says you have to disclose it and then give the, um, you know, so that the, the buyer has all the information at hand and they can either, either move on, say, I want another car or negotiate a small discount or some other kind of perk. Um, some extra kit that they wouldn't have would otherwise have had to pay for to compensate, but they can't fail to disclose a new car that's had some kind of engine or bodywork done before it's sold as as new or brand new, as we all say. That's just that is unethical, and it shouldn't happen. Thanks, Wendy, and thank you, Errol,
1: for your call. Iva on the SMS line asking what make-of-car it was. either in terms of the non-disclosure settlement that Brody signed, we're not allowed to name uh, the dealership, I'm afraid. So we've been deliberately avoiding that because it, we don't want to put her in, in a, a difficult legal position. Uh, but there is a lot to learn from her case, regardless of the make-of-car. So I hope you found the advice you've heard valuable. We're going to move on now. Jonathan has been waiting so patiently on the line from Pinelands. Jonathan, good afternoon and welcome to the show.
5: Yes, good afternoon, Pippa and good afternoon, Wendy. Um, good afternoon. I did some shopping at Builders Warehouse today. Um, Builders Warehouse uh, offer what seems a quite a generous uh, pension discount on Wednesday. On Wednesday, yes. Yeah. Um, well, to my horror, when, when I got to the till, um, they actually load a special screen. You get loaded as a pensioner cash <laughs> customer, as it were, and um, the big ticket items that I had um, suddenly popped up. The I had two cans of paint, which on the uh, the shelf were labelled at seventy eight rand. They popped up at one hundred and twenty five rand each, and a pair of secateurs, a very fancy pair, which had been three hundred and ninety rand, suddenly popped up at four hundred and twenty five rand. So it, oh. it seems to me that they just add add something to so, so in a, you know in order that you get the discount. I challenged both of these. Um, they corrected both of them after actually, you know, trudging all around the store and collecting actually the label off the shelf. But they would mm. not would not give me the ten percent on the adjusted prices on those. So,
0: so as I say, my I maths is as a bit shocking. Huh? Jonathan, is, yep. so was the new, did the new screen contain prices which were roughly ten percent greater than the ones displayed on shelf?
5: I didn't I didn't check the small items. I had a number of small items and you okay. know they might have been 10% higher. I actually it was just the big ticket items which which which, which were uh, noticeable. You know, it was yeah. so mm. obvious to me because I've actually you know I've been quite well, careful about uh, noting
0: Okay. I need yeah. to make a note to get a response from the company because now we you know they need to, they need to be given the, that opportunity but it doesn't sound good on on based on your experience. I will find out what that was about. I suspect it'll, the answer will involve something like it, there was a mistake in that store. So mm. I'll come back One to that in another I would show.
5: have forgiven them, but, but too big to get items. Yeah, that's okay, fishy, right?
0: exactly, to say the least. Exactly, the special square. Yeah. Um, Jonathan, if you what would help me is if you sent me an email just um detailing what you've said now on air and then I can, can follow it up. That. Yeah. Jonathan, yeah, I'm putting you, you I'm
1: putting you back to my producer Amy and please just leave your name and number with Amy as a fallback, but then that would be great if you could send an email to Wendy. So the address is consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K N O W L E R. Uh, so we'll take your phone number as a backup but uh, but please just pop an email to Wendy and please just put in the subject line Cape talk, uh, pensioner discount uh, so that Wendy knows to look out for it. I-, I know my parents make use of that. They do all of their hardware shopping on a Wednesday at-, at Builders Warehouse because of that offer, so it's distressing to to flag whether there's a question about that, and certainly we must follow up on it. Uh, appreciate people. the call, Jonathan. Okay, let's go to Ian in Table View, moving on to issues to do with a TV set. Good afternoon, Ian. Ian.
4: Good day Good day to you, Wendy. Um, Hi. On, the, on the 3rd of June, which is exactly 10 days ago, I went into House and home, checkers house and home, and purchased a 49-inch Panasonic um, television set. Um, it was about three o'clock on the Sunday afternoon. Got home. They didn't inspect the. They didn't inspect to see whether all the everything was in the box. The box was was obviously sealed. Got home, um, unpacked the television screen, wanting to start it up. And then once I got it started up, I noticed that the quarter of the screen was just totally white uh, upon closer inspection. I realized that the screen was actually cracked. It was like a spider web crack at the bottom of the screen. Um, I was too late to call the store back because I think they closed at three o'clock Monday morning. First thing I called them. the salesperson said to me, fine, um, I can bring it in and um, we can uh, have a look at it. Um, took it in on Monday morning. The manager said, well, I'll have to find out from the supplier whether we can get a credit. So I said, but why can't you just replace it? So he said to me, well, sir, um, you could have cracked the screen when you were setting up the television. I said, and what are the chances of the screen cracking standing in your storeroom? No, 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 the box was sealed, and therefore um, nothing. Um, the onus is on you to prove that you didn't crack it. It is now the 13th. I've received two phone calls to say that they are busy with the supplier to find out whether the supplier can give them a credit, okay? So basically what they're saying to me is that that hinges on whether Panasonic will reimburse our which I find totally unacceptable. I went to Hi-Fi Corporation this past weekend, bought a television, a smaller television set. The salesperson opened the box, took it out, plugged it Mm -hmm. into the wall. Sir, I didn't ask for it. He just out of his own. I said, I said, okay, fine. Thank you very much. The screen is not cracked, and that that television set is playing. What are my rights as a consumer with regards to our snow?
0: That's a very tricky one because it's about true, you know, who, whose side you believe, balance of probability, and all that. And as mm. you say, the second retailer you went to had obviously done that as a protection for both parties, for themselves, and for the consumer, um, to avoid exactly the sort of situation that you now. Of um, finding yourself in Ian, um, in that in that sort of a case, especially as you, I mean, they're saying you could have done it as you were trying to install. But the, you know, the sooner you report a problem, the the better. And it, you can imagine what sort of a problem this presents with online land um, sales and, and uh, when couriers are delivering the stuff. That's why I, I always say. Um, open it when the courier is still there. So if there's a problem, There's no, you don't have this, the battle that you now are having, Ian, to prove that that's how it was when you opened the box. Um, the good retailers, the better ones, um, as you say, it's their responsibility. The person that takes your money is responsible for uh, after-sales issue, and so they must deal with their supplier um going on, but my feeling as a consumer is that the consumer, especially if the reporters come through, it's not like you had it working for a week or two and then said, oh, now it's cracked, you know, help me. Um, The balance of probabilities is that somehow um, in the storage, somewhere along the way way in their, their chain of supply, something went wrong, and that you should be given the benefit of the doubt. That's... What, that's what my recommendation would be. But, you know, again, as an independent third party, you can't say, I can't say for sure, and I'm not doubting you for a second, Ian, but I can't bang my fist and say, well, clearly it couldn't have been the consumer because they didn't open it in store. And so there's a lesson in there for everybody else. Um, mm. When you buy these big-ticket items or any any item, really, um, if it's sealed, um, it is a good idea to open it up and just check that it's that it's in you know that's not damaged or def- defective in some way it, it it does present logistical problems though you can imagine with every purchase it, it is it is
4: no, too- I understand I understand but i mean I, i'm just looking at i mean without me even prompting the second salesperson at another yes, retailer did
1: what they should have do yeah
4: exactly i mean it's not I like they're selling a television set every hour
0: i suspect that was that that um, policy arose out of a situation like yours, one or two of them, where there was this dispute and nobody could prove for sure that they, you know where where that problem happened. But yeah, I, um, there's not a lot I can say other than you know that they, that pressure be put on the retailer to give you the benefit of the doubt, looking at the. Um, the balance of probabilities over the timing of it, you know, um, mm. it's it's not to say that it's impossible that you know you didn't drop it, and it's frustrating from the consumer side when you know you didn't, and now you yeah. you left without the means to prove it for sure. So it's a really awful situation, Ian. I'm really sorry, and I hope um, with you know if you if you don't give up that the the retailer does the right thing because they're the ones, as you say. It's not for them to say we've got to wait with the wait and see what the supplier does. Their responsibility as the retailer is to is to um, make things right for the customer and I think, deal with their supplier afterwards.
1: Yeah, we've got David on the line from Takai. David, I think you've also had the the uh, experience of of the store that did did go the extra mile to make sure that the product the the TV was working while you were still in store. Is that correct? Indeed,
5: indeed. I went. It was game in Kenilworth Centre. Uh, I chose my fit. They brought the box, and he opened it, plugged it in, switched it on. The screen lit up. He said, there you are. I said, no fun.
1: Okay, David. Thanks for that. So, Game in Kenilworth Centre got it right, and that, like the hi-fi example, is is what you should expect. So, there, there's a lesson there for everyone, Wendy. If you're buying mm-hmm. uh, this kind of uh, of item, make sure that it is tested in store, so that you're not caught short as Ian was. Uh, Ian, I'm sorry that we all learn from your uh, awful experience, but keep on trying, and I hope that the, they they do relent and 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 give you some relief there. Interesting WhatsApp, uh, Wendy, in response to Brody's case with the car. This is a good question. What guarantee do we have that that dealer is not going to resell that car and the next person who buys it unsuspectingly will go through the same i'm in the market for a second-hand car and this really worries me
0: well i I, having waded through that story for its five-year um history duration history yeah i wouldn't put anything past that particular dealership and which is why it's really sad that we can't name them but yeah i mean it's it's a lot of that stuff does happen um the, the chances of them selling obviously the age they, they would sell it as a as a used car and a lot of cars that do have problems that, believe me they're going to be doing everything to recover their losses there so they will put that car up for sale and the next person is going to have that problem unless they've found a you know um, a professional way to fix the problem we're going to go from a place everything yeah yeah we're going to go from a car to a bike
1: greg and pinelands good afternoon
5: Austin yeah, uh, afternoon, um, Wendy. Um, I imported two e-bike um, mountain bikes from China. Now I use the one and the other one is still brand new and I don't need it and I want to sell it on guntry or Bike Hub. Now when I sell the brand new bike, do I have to offer some kind of a warranty or guarantee to someone who um, buys it from me? Where, where do I stand there just so that I know okay. what to sell no, people?
0: No problem. No, good question. That's very easy. Um, if, if selling bikes is not your normal course of business, then you are, um, would be considered a private seller in this case, and um, a private seller, and you are not, um, therefore, bound by the CPA. So you can sell that thing as is and just tell the consumer that so they know up front. So tell the story as far as you know. This, you know it's absolutely fine, but as it is a private sale. And the same um, thing happens when cars are sold privately. So it, it is a huge risk for the buyer. But you, mm. but legally you're in the clear.
1: Okay, Greg. Uh, there's some uh, good news for you. Thanks for your call. We can squeeze in one or two more on 0214460567. In the meantime, uh, Mo, uh, poor old Mo, on the SMS line uh, says my checked in luggage was broken into and my motorcycle mm. jacket stolen. Kalula mm. wants to pay me 200 rand a kilogram, which for a three kilogram jacket will translate into 600 rand. The replacement value of that jacket is over 10,000 rand. What can I do?
0: cut your losses and and chalk it up to experience. I'm sorry to say that, Mo. That's the way it works. They say that anything, don't check any valuables into your, don't put any valuables into your check in luggage. So your, um, if it was jewelry, you would have had no, Uh, Or electronics, you would have had no um, recourse, no refund at all, no compensation. That 200 rand a kilo is an international formula that the airlines work on and I think we've had this discussion before Pippo, so if you lose something you better hope that it was heavy, but of course with the restrictions on the weight of our luggage, that's unlikely to happen as well, so people lose Um, hugely, and it's why I don't check luggage and even when I'm going overseas, it's just too great a risk as far as I'm concerned I'm really sorry Mo, but that 600 rand you're going to have to be happy with and just, yeah, maybe travel out in future, but uh, I I hear so many of these stories and wear the jacket, so, so many stories I have a friend who's relocating from the UK where he's lived for 20 years and in the next couple of months, he's, he's relocating to the Cape. Mm. And he is checking himself. He's flying business class with a huge amount of luggage because you get the extra luggage. And in there, he's got... Is is his um he's a Biker as well and his jackets he said they're worth many many thousands and he's not prepared to have them in check in luggage and so he's chosen to to fly business class because he reckons <laughs> it'll be cheaper in the long run sure. than losing that and also he's a professional photographer so all his equipment and everything else but he specifically said his his leathers. He's, that's the classic thing to be stolen out of yeah. um, checked-in luggage, and he just won't risk it.
1: I'm sorry, Mo. Not the answer you were hoping for, I know, sorry, but it Mo. is what it is. Thank you to ever sent the SMS telling us Tafelberg also opened up our new TV and tested it before we left the store. So it's good to hear uh, the feedback so far is that the majority of places are in fact doing that. I do like the WhatsApp saying, what an incredible PR and marketing opportunity for that TV retailer if they were to call 567 and fix this thing on air. Wouldn't it be Absolutely. lovely? Um, if there's maybe anyone next from week we can come back listening. Maybe we can do that
0: and help Listen, you. Um I do know the MD, so if I do get an email about that, who was our caller? It was Ian uh, in Tableview. Yeah. So if you want to send an email through um, Ian, I will do my best to get you get a response. on that. Okay, front. good. Mm-hmm. Thanks very much. Um and then also a very interesting and
1: difficult one quickly from Roxy on the SMS line. She's developed a serious health issue which her gym has known about since twenty seventeen and she thought she was ready to resume gin, so that she renewed her resume gin, so there she renewed her membership. But unfortunately, Unfortunately, she now has to have a spinal fusion in May, and they are refusing to put her membership on hold and want her to pay for the full year. And after the year, they say they will give her six months free. She says it's How more ridiculous. than likely
0: I won't be able to resume gym for at least a year. So, what are my options? Let's name and shame. That is ridiculous. Email me, and if we can figure it out, let's get them to to to, to um, have a um, humane response. Yeah. Um. You know she. She won't be using their facilities for goodness sake. So why would they want to charge her? It's not a choice. She has no choice in the matter. So um, really I'm surprised by that. I mean, Roxy, she's not even asking. She's asking for it to be put on hold, not to for Not it to, to be cancel canceled. it, yeah. So, okay, Roxy, please send us an email to,
1: yes. uh, to consumer at nola.co.za, K N O W L E R, and just put Cape Talk Jim in the subject line. Wendy will look out for that, and we'd love to help you take that one up, up because really that is, that's out of line. That's, that's unconscionable. Gosh, we've had some really nasty stories today, Wendy. But we thanks, have. as always, for your help in trying to resolve them, and uh, we look forward to chatting again next week. Absolutely, me too. Speak then, Papa. Chat to you then, Wendy. No luck.